So over the next year, 52 questions about God, about his law, about grace, about the Redeemer, about the Holy Spirit, about when Jesus is coming back, when judgment is, uh, is, is coming. Questions that we all have that we need to grow deeper into the Word of God. So this is going to be an awesome, awesome series, uh, a year-long series. How many know that um, last year went pretty quick? And I find as you get older, kind of cruises along pretty, pretty quicker. It, pretty quicker, that's for sure, right? Um, we have an anchor and a hope that's set not in the shifting sands of institutions, organizations, men, nations of this world, but it's anchored in the solid work, person and work of Jesus Christ as our Redeemer, as our Savior, as our great High Priest. We're anchored. Amen? We're going to talk about what, what being anchored means this morning. And turn in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 6. We'll read the first three verses, then we'll skip a portion of Scripture that needs its own day to talk about. We'll skip that Scripture, and then we'll go um, to verse number 13, and we'll continue on from there. Okay, Hebrews chapter 6, verse 1, and it says this. So let us stop going over the basic teachings about Christ again and again. Let us go on instead and become mature in our understanding Surely we don't need to start again with the fundamental importance of repenting from evil deeds, placing our faith in God. You don't need further instructions about baptisms, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. And so, God willing, we will move forward to further understanding. Hebrews chapter 6 is a call to maturity, a call to grow out of and grow up in Christ, grow out of our sinful nature grow out of the mindsets and strongholds of the enemy and of our sinful nature, and head on to maturity in Christ Jesus. And it's not personality, quality traits. It's allowing the Holy Spirit to mold us and shape us and form Christ in us so that we can live for his glory and his honor. Hebrews is a book written Two Hebrews, go figure. And if you can imagine an Israelite that had 613 laws, every day they had to be concerned with about 200 neg negative laws and then about 300 or so laws in which they had to do, things that they didn't, couldn't do, things that they had to do. Keeping in mind all this regulations and rules and processes and and um, religious activity. And now Jesus comes and Paul is writing. And Jesus said, listen, all that stuff is geared down. All the law and the prophets rests on these two laws. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. If you're used to regulations and rules, and then they, they just throw that at you. What? in the world. Hebrews is about allowing the Holy Spirit to mold us and shape us in our faith. And we go on from wondering if we're in the faith. 
Do you ever wonder if you're in the faith? My sister used to go up to the, the altar on a Sunday night for like years and say the salvation's prayer. God, forgive me, I'm a sinner. Save me. Over and over and over and over again until one Sunday night. The Holy Spirit knocked on her head and said, Stop it. You're already saved. You're in Christ. Now rejoice. Amen? Rejoice. Let's, let's go from wondering if God loves us. Okay? Let's go on from wondering if we're approved. If we're living our life uh, in an approved state of, of God. Let's go on from that. Let's move on from wondering if Jesus Christ raised from the dead. Is there anybody in here that doesn't believe that Jesus Christ is raised from the dead? If there is, get out. No, just kidding. <laughs> How about judgment? Do you realize that the Bible says in Romans chapter 1 that the wrath of God is being revealed against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth? In unrighteousness, do not give thanks and do not give honor to God. There's a judgment coming. But thank God for us here that know Christ. Judgment was placed on Christ on the cross 2,000 years ago. He bore your shame. He bore your guilt. He bore your condemnation. Your separation from God is now obliterated. As now we have free access into the very presence of God, the provision of God, the power of God through Christ, our great high priest. Amen? That should stir us a little bit and cause us to move on to maturity, move on to what God has for us. See, our life, once we become a, a, a Christian, there's this process of being born again, isn't it? We're going to get to that in a little while. Let's read verses 13. Verse 13 says this. For example, there was God's promise to Abraham. Since there was no one greater to swear by, God took an oath in his own name, saying, I will certainly bless you and I will multiply your descendants beyond number. Then Abraham waited patiently and he received what God had promised. Now when people take an oath, they call on someone greater than themselves to hold them to it. And without any question, that oath is binding. God also bound himself with an oath so that those who received the promise could be perfectly sure that he would never, ever, ever change his mind. The ever and ever I just threw in there. So God has given both his promise and his oath. These two things are unchangeable because it is impossible for God to lie. Therefore, we who have fled to him for refuge can have great confidence as we hold to the hope that lies before us. This hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. It leads us through the curtain into God's inner sanctuary. Jesus has already gone in there for us. He has become our eternal high priest in the order of Melchizedek. The beautiful passage of scripture and it speaks about the promises of God you ever have somebody try to convince you about their character and they're going to do something and they say I promise I promise I swear and you're like even though you sweared you sweared I don't believe you okay I promise I promise I swear right in this day and age back in the day there was no uh, legal system. There was no 
court system. There, were, there was no lawyers. There was no paperwork. There was no, nobody that you can go and sue. There was no contracts. There was an oath. And what people did with each other in business and everything else, they would say, I promise to do this. And I swear as the sun rises as, and as the sun sets, I will do this. And people went, the sun setting and the sun rising, that's pretty constant and that's pretty steady. Okay, you're on. <laughs> they made an oath about what they said that they were going to do because they put something greater than themselves, more powerful than themselves, more awesome than themselves. And the idea was that if they did not fulfill their oath, they would bring shame and discredit and disfavor to the very unchangeableness of God himself. The unchangeableness. People give oaths all the time, don't they? They give promises all the time. Uh, our word doesn't really mean anything in this, in this day and age. As we look to the news, as we watch television, as we see people uh, yap and talk about what they're going to do. When Jesus makes a promise, he keeps it. With Jesus, promises made, promises kept. With Donald Trump, promises made, promises not kept. Hillary Clinton, promises made, promises not kept. Republican, Democrat, political systems of this world, promises made, promises unkept. When God gives you a promise, he swears by the only thing that he can, his character and his nature, which is unchanging. The Bible says in Hebrews that Jesus took an oath to be our great high priest. What he was saying is, when I step into this role as high priest, as rescuer, as savior, as interceder, as your great high priest, interceding for you that you will make it, I will send the Holy Spirit down. When I step into this role, I will continue it perpetually throughout all eternity. And I make an oath on my character and my nature. The problem with us we don't trust the character and the nature of God. Usually any, any sin in our life, usually if there's any doubts in our life, usually if we're struggling with something and we're questioning God, we're always questioning his character and his nature. Whether or not God is going to come through because we have doubts. You see, um, does God, is he really going to love me? And is he really capable of healing the wounds of my past? I don't think so, so I have to protect myself. Whenever those wounds are prodded, I strike with words and actions that are contrary to the will and the way of God because I don't know if God loves me. And I haven't been made sure of the fact that God loves me. Friends, he wants to heal your inner wounds today by you beginning this comment, this statement in your heart and life. I believe, Jesus Christ, that you love me, and your love can set me free. Amen? Amen. And then, how about if somebody hurts you? All right? First thing you want to do is do an MMA UFC move on them, in which you've seen on TV, and you picture it. Your leg flying up, going around their head, and taking them down, moving into a chokehold, and... 
I am the champion. Right? We have this tendency, guys, to not believe in the justice and the righteousness of God. That God is a God of equity. That God knows your plight. He knows your hurts. He knows how people have hurt you. He's got you. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. I will repay. Lots of Christians spend their life drinking the poison of bitterness and resentment, waiting for someone to die. And in the meantime, they're destroying their life because they're not free. They don't trust the character and nature of God. That God can free them of offenses and of things that have hurt you in the past. One day, there will be healing for you as you trust Jesus Christ and his love for you. His love covers over a multitude of sins, not just yours, but the sins that have happened to you. Amen? The sins that have happened to you allow the the love of Jesus Christ to flow into you through the power of the Holy Spirit. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty and freedom. People can hurt you. People can call you names. People can do things against you. And you know what comes out? Love. I love you. You, I love you. Amen? I, want, I love you. I want to choke you out in Jesus' name and lay my hands on you suddenly. But I love you. Amen? Just think of the freedom now. As you look over your your past life, people that have hurt you, going up to them, giving them a great hug and say, you know what, by the power of the Holy Spirit, the grace of the Lord Jesus and the love of God, I can truly say now that I love you. Amen? Ah, the freedom. This year, people are going to be freed from things that they never thought that they'd be freed from again. Here's an indication that you need some help. Life has a tendency in certain circumstances and situations to put the squeeze on you. Amen? Doesn't it squeeze you? Lots of times in my life when circumstances, situations, even God himself has squeezed me and something came up that I never ever knew was there in my flesh, fleshly nature, in my carnal nature. And I have two choices. I can defend myself. I can blame others, or I can look into the face of God and say, I am not what I should be. As I stand in the holiness of God, I surrender. Make me clean, make me pure, make me like you. And we're made free by the power of God. Hebrews 6 is all about maturing in our faith, becoming more like Christ. There's three phases in this process of being anchored in Jesus to such an extent that we allow the Holy Spirit to mold us each and every day. We go from glory to glory, faith to faith. And what happens is we become more like him. We become more like him. And you don't focus on it. You don't wake up and say, wow, ooh, I'm holy today. God's been working on my spirit. And I am holy. You know, it's not a process that you pay attention to because it's his work might be confirmed by others. But when you begin paying attention to your holiness, all of a sudden, 
your holiness turns to filthy rags. Don't pay attention to it. Just keep going to Jesus. Let Jesus mold you and shape you. Amen? Let him, let him have his way with you. Nothing between you and the Savior. Just, just give him everything. Three phases in our Christian experience as we're anchored in Christ Jesus. See, anchors have two big, huge prongs or hooks. When they throw it out into the ocean, goes down in and grabs onto something. Similarly, everybody say similarly. God's work of his promises and his oath is the anchor for our soul. The hook of the promises of God are true. They are yes to every believer. The hook of the oath of God and the covenant of God that he'll never leave you nor forsake you, but he'll continue the work in you. Those two hooks are settled in heaven. The anchor is in heaven in the inner sanctuary where Christ went into the Holy of Holies and made himself the great high priest, made himself the atoning sacrifice, the propitiation, the sacrifice that paid the debt for us. Those two hooks are in heaven. Amen? The Bible says that now we who are in Christ, we are set our minds on things above, right? Where what? We set our minds on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. So what happens is this. Our authority and our power and our provision doesn't come from within. It comes from without as the Holy Spirit ministers through us and works his way through us. Amen? Authority and power is anchored for you. In the heavenlies because of what Christ has done. Do you need a little authority today over your life, over your circumstance? Do you need a little power today? Amen. Gain it when you put your faith and trust in the promises of God. How many times do you have to remind God that God, you said, okay, you ever do that with God? God, you said, this is not me speaking, this is your word here. You said, My God shall supply all my needs according to your riches in heaven. And at that point, you trust him and you give it to him. You said, because you promised and you gave an oath based on your unchanging character, that you would not lie, my needs will be supplied. Amen? Isn't that awesome? What about fear? And anxiety. God has not given us a spirit of timidity or fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. God, you said it in your word today. Why am I anxious? You promised me this, and I accept it because you do not lie. By faith, I receive it, just like Abraham, who was credited to him as righteousness. You see, we live this life by faith. Faith is changing our, perceptive, our perception and our perspective to think on things and view things the way God does. Isn't that awesome? Many times we're, uh, we're bound by the perception and perspectives of this world. Sometimes, as this morning we were talking about the awesome God, sometimes our situations and our circumstances, our broken relationships and our hurts and our wounds are more awe-inspiring than God himself who does not lie. 
we got to get to a place where these light and momentary, <laughs> light and momentary problems are nothing to com- be compared to the glory that we have received and that w- w- we will receive when we see Jesus Christ face to face. Amen? Paul, you know, you know Paul, he had a kind of a rough life. Um, I, don't even, I can't even begin to say what he went through. Snake bitten, shipwrecked, throgged, flogged, bogged, all kinds of stuff. He was just brutalized. And he says, ah, these light and momentary problems are nothing to be compared to the glory that we have received and that we will receive when we see Jesus Christ face to face. I was told the news today that my dad might pass away today. Isn't that awesome? He's going and we're staying. Okay? See, we do not grieve as those without hope. But we are anchored in this wonderful fact and an assurity, a certainty. There's an assurance that's given to us through the power of the Holy Spirit that this life is not the end. We will see our Savior face to face. Amen? Paul said, hey, I want to stick around. Not really. For, to me, for me to die, to pass away, is gain. But if I live, I live for Christ. Amen? This wonderful, wonderful day might be the day when my father sees his Savior face to face. Lucky bum. (laughs) Lucky bum. What a day of rejoicing that will be, amen? When we see our Savior face to face. He's going to meet up with my mom and all the people he's met that were in Christ for 91 years and have an awesome celebration of joy in the presence of God. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Let's grow up, amen? Let's grow out of our fleshly, carnal nature. Everybody has stuff that comes to mind right now that you are bound as a stronghold in your life based on your flesh that has been with you for years. God wants to set you free from that. So when you're prodded and you're pricked and the enemy comes and people come and everything else comes, what comes out of you as you're squeezed? Love, joy, peace. Patience, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, goodness. The Spirit of the Lord. Amen? Wouldn't that be awesome? I remember when I was in, uh, I was a resident assistant. I was an RA of a dorm in college. And I think I told you this story, but it's really relevant. And I love telling it because it reveals the fact that You're not all what you think you is, okay? I'm a senior. I got the freshman dorm. We're playing the girls in intramural softball, and we're losing, okay? I'm an athlete, man. So I get the guys together, and I say, guys, look out there. They are girls. Let's win this thing for Pete's sakes, right? So there was a freshman guy in my dorm heckling us the whole time. 
in about the seventh inning, I dropped my glove and I threw him to the ground and I had my left hand on his neck and my fist raised. I was going to give the wrath of God to this, to this individual. Amen. And the Lord tapped me on the head and said, uh, wow, that's you and me take a long stroll around campus and have a bit of a conversation because there's stuff that I want to work on you. So I kind of fixed his collar and I said, sorry. And I, I took a walk. And this great, great God that we serve, no condemnation, conviction. He comes up alongside of me and says, you know what? We're going to take care of that little problem. We're going to take care of that rage. We're going to take care of that anger. As I flush myself into your life, that is going to be gone as the waters The word of God, the Holy Spirit is flushed into your life. You're going to be changed, boy, because I want to use you. Amen? Each of us this morning, there's something. When you're prodded and when you're pricked, it's not the spirit of God that comes out. It's words that are given over to our fleshly nature, to our carnal nature. He wants to change that, and he wants to replace that with a power and the flow of God's spirit in your life. Amen? So, three, three phases that we go through. We love together, we grow together, and we go together. And for some reason, this seems very familiar, doesn't it? How many know where those three things come from? Love together, grow together, go together. All of you just leave the building immediately. (laughs) Uh, Comes from our mission statement, right? Connecting people to a loving God. As we make the name of Jesus famous by loving together, growing together, and going together. The first phase of your Christian life is that we love together. As individuals, we must receive the love of God. You must receive the love of God. You must accept the love of God, that he loves you just as you are. In your weakness, in your insufficiencies, in your bitterness, in your resentment, he loves you today. And you see what happens when, when we gaze into his eyes. I don't do this anymore with uh, my daughter, but I used to grab my daughter's head, and occasionally she would grab uh, my head, and she would say to me, Dad, we need some FaceTime. So we would just be like this. And for 30, 45 a minute, we would just gaze into each other's face. And I could die and go to heaven every time. My little girl is looking at me. She loves me. Jesus wants to take your face, give you a little face time so that you see his love, you see his grace. You see, the Holy Spirit can do wonderful, miraculous things to set you free, use you for his kingdom. He's, he's got your face, and he's looking into your eyes. But what happens is, his eyes turn and look behind us, and he's focused on a lost and dying world. And we see in his eyes tears that the broken and the lost would come to know him. 
And as we keep continuing to gaze into his face and we see his tears and we see his love for the lost and we see his brokenness, we say, God, I got to team up with you, man. Your passion is my passion. Team me up with you. Grow me. Get me ready so that I can, I can be used for the glory and the honor of God. We have this wonderful new birth. Revelation, Jesus says, listen, I knock on the door. If any man or any woman open up the door, I'm going to come in and I'm going to have covenant relationship with you. And we're going to sup and we're going to eat. We're going to do what Christians do. We're going to eat and fellowship together. He wasn't saying that to the lost. He was saying that to the church. He's asking you. He's knocking on your door. Will you have intimate covenant relationships with him where he is known by you and you are known by him amen we have this new birth john chapter 14 verse 23 says the father and i we want to pitch our tent with you we want to abide with you we want you to make your your we want to have an an abiding presence in your heart and in your life we want to make an abode with you We want you to be a habitation of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit in your heart and in your life. Maturity. And now we begin this process of getting the old out and the new in. Amen? Hey, let's turn over to Ephesians chapter 4, okay? Everybody okay? Everybody all right? You want to nudge each other? The spirit of nudge, go ahead. Nudge each other. Okay, Ephesians chapter 4. Glasses. Ephesians chapter 4. Let's go with 11. Verse 11, okay? Ephesians chapter 4 and 11. All right, here we go. Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, the teachers, Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard or the fullness of Christ. Isn't that wonderful? Then we will no longer be immature little children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Oh, yeah, love. Come on, people, say it with me in like the Barry White voice. Come on, love. Oh, one more time, love. Get a little lower now, come on. Love, amen? Love. Okay, Colossians chapter 2. All right, and verse 6. And now, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord... You must continue to follow him. Walk in him. Let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught. And you will overflow with thankfulness. Don't let anyone capture you 
with empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense that comes from human thinking and from the spiritual powers of this world rather than from Christ. For in Christ lives all the fullness of God in the human body. So you also are complete through your union with Christ, who is the head over every ruler and authority. When you came to Christ, you were circumcised, but not by a physical procedure. Christ performed a spiritual circumcision, a cutting, the cutting away of your sinful nature. For you were buried with Christ when you were baptized, and with him you were raised to new life because you trusted the mighty power of God who raised Christ from the dead. You were dead because of your sins and because your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then, everybody say then. Then God made you alive with Christ. For he forgave all your sins. He canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. In this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. Isn't this wonderful news? Your record has been canceled. Your sin has been cast as far as the east is from the west in the sea of his forgetfulness. Why do we keep reminding God of something that he has forgotten? Why do we do that? What God has forgotten, let us forget. Amen? And we go on in newness of life. Uh, a, a A baby is very inconsiderate and rude. Isn't it true? Right? These guys will find out shortly as uh, Stephanie's pregnant. Babies don't care about you. They don't care about you as parents. They don't care about you as brothers and sisters. They don't care about anything but themselves. When they want something, <laughs> they just cry, right? There's a lot of Christians like this. Our focus is on ourselves, and all the time we're crying and we're whining. Like little babies. Paul says in Corinthians, listen, I can't give you meat. You're sucking on, 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 on milk over here. If I give you meat, you're going to choke and die. We need meat, the Bible says. The word of God appropriated into our lives through the power of the Holy Spirit so we can discern what is right and what is wrong. Amen? We have this discernment in the spirit that if something happens in my flesh or in my, in my life, the spirit of God immediately says, boy, work on that. And I'm going to work on that too. Get that out of your life. Amen? We go on from, from maturity. We have this wonderful new birth. We were dead in our trespasses and sins, but God has quickened us, made us alive in Christ. We are, we are born again, born into the kingdom of God, born from above. Our citizenship is in heaven. We're strangers and pilgrims passing through. This place right here is not our home. And my father will realize it, possibly today, that he was just passing through. Thirdly, God wants to cause you to be born again through his spirit. He wants you mature and ready to do what he's called you to do from eons of time ago. Ephesians 2.10, you are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do works before time was created. God was thinking about how he was going to mature you. God was thinking about how his spirit was going to come down and cause you to be born again. God was thinking about you working for his glory, showing people the love of Christ, showing people the, 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 the forgiveness of God. 
How do you think God is going to, people are going to understand the love of God? By you giving them a sermon? By you giving them a hand? You giving them love, amen? And this is what we've been trying to do in our, in our community. It's not just be a, a social justice warrior, but be a social righteousness warrior where we give them the gospel of Jesus Christ so that they, they can understand the righteousness of God, which is not of themselves, but is, is of God and his work. Amen? We sometimes, there's a dichotomy. Either we beat people over the head with the truth of God, or we give them soup. Okay? Our mission is that together we give them the love and the grace of God. Jesus said, you give somebody a cup of water in my name, you do it unto me. Wow. So every time we serve, every time we feel like we're getting used and abused, Jesus is saying right on. I know that feeling. I went to the cross and I understand. Amen? That's why we serve. We've been born again. The Holy Spirit is maturing us. He's got a mission and a plan for your life. We're going to be anchored in Jesus Christ. We're going to be anchored in each other, loving each other, loving each other's faults, confessing our faults one another, confessing our sins one to another. We are anchored in each other. Nothing can separate that. And we are going to be anchored in our community. And that's all I got for now. Because time. Time keeps on slipping. Slipping, slipping into the future. (laughs) And there'll be one day when time slips and the Savior comes and we'll be together in glory experiencing Him face to face. Guys, as we take communion this morning, I want you to think about something. I want you to think about that you've been born again. God is maturing you. When he, when he pinpoints something in your life, he's not after condemnation and shame and guilt. He's after his spirit coming alive in that area of your life as you surrender to him, okay? Surrender to him. And then what you'll, what you'll find is as after your new birth and you're being matured, you come into this wonderful aspect of being used of God for his glory because he's gifted you. Amen? And you're anchored. In Jesus Christ. Hopeful. Listen to this. Will your anchor hold in the storms of life? When the clouds unfold their wings of strife? When the strong tides lift and the cables strain? Will your anchor drift or firm remain? By the grace of God for the child of God this morning... This is the answer. We have an anchor that keeps the soul steadfast and sure while the billows roll, fastened to the rock which cannot move, grounded firm and deep in the Savior's love. Receive him this morning in a new and fresh way as we take communion.